Psalm chapter 94. We'll go ahead and read the whole chapter, and then we'll kind of go through verse by verse. And some uh, great things I want us to learn from this passage. Um, well, you know, we won't read the whole chapter. Let's just read the first part, and we'll go through verse by verse. But verse 1 of Psalms 94, it says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things, and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? Alright, so I want to, uh, the title of tonight's message is going to be, Our God of Vengeance. Okay, notice that first verse, it says, O Lord God to whom vengeance belongeth. Alright, vengeance belongs to God. And I'm going to show you several things in this passage, and I think it's important we point these things out because in our world today, you know, uh, this Sunday we had the missionaries that were here that uh, visited us during the Sunday school hour. We were talking about just a lot of different cultural things in the world, how different cultures are with stuff. And I was talking about how in the American culture, you know, we're a very passive people in many ways. And one of the things I, as I was studying this and I was I was thinking about, I was like, you know, one of the things that we're doing in America and churches are helping with this is it's like we're literally trying to just remove humanity, our humanity from us. And one of the ways they're doing it is by removing emotion. It's like we're never allowed to feel anything, especially when it comes to negative feelings, things like anger, rage, jealousy. You know, there are some things that should get our dander up a little bit. There are some things that we feel that are natural to us, but they are bad, they are sinful, and we've got to be careful with those things. But you know, there's other things, there's other normal emotions that aren't necessarily bad, but yet society has told us these things are bad, and a lot of churches have jumped right in and decided those things are bad too. You know, for example, you know, it's like, you're, you know, everybody will admit Okay, even a Fox News Baptist would admit that our country is going down the toilet. They would admit that our country is getting more wicked than it's ever been. I mean, perversion is running rampant. Yet at the same time, if a preacher or anyone gets up and just starts foaming at the mouth about just the wickedness of our country, he's got a bad spirit. You know, why are you so why are you so angry? You know, and I've seen reporters doing this before too. Whenever they're talking to people, and you know, and, they, and then people get fired up, maybe they start, you know, why, why are you so angry? They did that with Pastor Logan Robertson. When he, you know, he's he's talking to Muslims, all right. He's asking about their wicked, perverted religion. Why, you know, why are you so angry? You know, he's like, hey, because it's a wicked religion that's sending people to hell. You know what? And he here he is being a normal person who's upset about a religion that is. Literally sending billions of people to hell. But it's like we've got this new messed up mentality that no, nothing should bother us. Not only should it not bother us, not only should we not get angry, but you know, it's like we ought to just, we ought to love that religion. You know, let's be like all the Republicans. Talk about the great religion of Islam. You know, the religion of peace. Whenever you have to call something a religion of peace as much as they do, it means it's not a religion of peace, all right? It means we're trying to convince people of something. And Bush did it. Obama did it. Trump, Trump does it. 
They all say these things. And I want you to show, in this passage here, we see this is a prayer and he's calling out. Alright, he is calling out for God to execute vengeance, okay? Because vengeance does. It belongs to God. And you know what? It is completely appropriate for us to pray to God to execute vengeance, alright? And people do. They'll bring these up. They'll bring up a lot of these things in Psalms. Oh, you know, that was a different dispensation. Oh, really? So they were allowed to get mad about wickedness. They were allowed to pray for justice in the Old Testament what we can't in the New Testament. So now in this New Testament dispensation, whenever we see wickedness going on, whenever we see perversion running rampant, we're just supposed to pray for the predators. We're just supposed to pray for the wicked. That Really, I'd like to see that passage in the New Testament. Well, it says, love your enemies. Okay, I understand loving my own personal enemy, but does that mean if they, if as a member of society that I should support just letting criminals walk the streets? That I should just support letting murderers get away with murder? Hey, we have a responsibility as a society to do something about that. And I'll show more about that in a little bit. But it is appropriate for us to pray to God for Him to execute vengeance. Now, it would not be a good idea for me to try to take vengeance into my own hands because... First of all, it's not my place. God has not given me that authority. Second of all, I'm probably going to get things wrong. But God will get things right. He Vengeance belongs to Him. And it is a sick, perverted, twisted person that does not want God to execute vengeance on the wicked. Alright, turn to Psalms 58. Let me say that again. It is a sick, twisted, perverted person that does not want God to execute vengeance on the wicked. Okay? And people say I'm mean for some of these things I'm saying, but no, I'm sorry. These other people, these are these people are messed up. Okay, Some pastor that gets up and acts like we're just supposed to give people a pass for all the wickedness when there's people out there that are molesting kids, they're murdering people, and we're just all supposed to be fine. That is a messed up individual. Okay, The guy that's getting angry about this stuff, they're not the messed up person. There, look, Psalm 58, verse 1 says, Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart we work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows. Let them be as cut in pieces as a snail which melteth. Let every one of them pass away like the untimely birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the thorns, ye shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. Verily he is a God that judgeth in the earth. Did you all see that right there? Now that said some pretty mean stuff right there. Talking about him melting like a snail. Talking about him getting carried away in a whirlwind, being cut in pieces. And the Bible says the righteous will rejoice when that happens. Now, do we see Baptist preachers today preaching this kind of stuff? No. 
Whenever somebody does rejoice, at the, you know, whenever bad things happen to wicked people, whenever vengeance is executed, all of a sudden now, you're a terrible person. But the Bible says the righteous rejoice at that. Now, if righteous people in the Old Testament rejoiced at seeing vengeance on the wicked, why would that not be righteous today? Okay, now, I get ceremonial laws and things changing. I get that, alright? But listen, what is it that makes us righteous, alright? What is righteousness? It's the Word of God. It's the law of God. Why do we, you know, why did Jesus need to come down on the cross? Because we could not keep the law. We could not be righteous. Okay? Our righteousness was as filthy rags. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, where we see what sin is, where we see what righteousness is, it says very clearly that the righteous are going to rejoice when vengeance is executed on the wicked. So that means it's righteous today too. And you know what one of the sins are many people are guilty of today in the New Testament era? Guilty of not being of not rejoicing when the righteous or when the wicked have vengeance executed on them. You see it and you say, Oh, you know, you're so mean. No, you are perverted, you are twisted if you are not glad when the bad people get taken down. It's like the people today, they would rather just see the murderers walk and continue murdering. You know, and it's like these people aren't gonna stop. They're gonna continue doing what they're doing. And it's like, you know, if it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling to not want to see anything happen to them, well, enjoy that warm, fuzzy feeling. Because, you know, you're messed up, alright? You're really messed up, and probably chances are where you're going, it's gonna really be warm, alright? But not so fuzzy. But anyway, um, you know, wicked people, they do, they hurt others. They pray, you know, they pray on the innocent. Okay? And perverts, okay, perverts don't want to see vengeance. Okay? And the proof is, the people that are against this type of thing, alright, the preachers who preach against the type of stuff I'm preaching about, they're all a bunch of skinny jean, pink shirt wearing queer huggers. All of them. Okay? They're the ones that are promoting this sauce. Now, you shouldn't get mad. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And I'm going to get to that verse, alright? Okay? In case you're thinking this the whole time, don't worry. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get to that verse. So, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. It's okay for us to want vengeance as long as we allow the Lord to be the one that, to execute vengeance. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge His people and repent himself for his servants, when he seeth that their power is gone, and there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock, in whom they trusted? So right here we see, hey, God's going to take care of these people. It's going to come, and you know what? Just like God promised that one of these days Jesus Christ is going to return, and it's okay for us to say, Even so come, Lord, right? That's an, that's an appropriate prayer, right? Well, God also said, I'm going to take care of the wicked. It's okay for us to say, hey, Lord, please do it. As long as we allow God to execute the vengeance. Okay? As long as we allow God to do it, we're fine. You go ahead and pray for it. You go ahead and take comfort in the fact that one of these days God is going to deal with these people. Go ahead and do that. The next time you see you know, the news showing the gay pride parade, look at, think about these things. God's going to take care of them. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. And take comfort in those things. That is appropriate. That is righteous. We're supposed to do that. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. 
in verse 18. Because, you know, you got the dispensationalists. You know, they're always, oh, this is all for Old Testament time. Well, this is New Testament right here. And it says, if it be possible, as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place uh, to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay. Now, Pastor Trendy, he's going to start geeking out over this right here and talk about how you know we just need to be good to our enemies and do all these things. But listen, when it's talking about heaping coals of fire on their head, there is this new teaching that's out there. It was actually preached here by someone. I about fell over when I heard it. That the heaping coals of fire on his head, it doesn't mean you're heaping up judgment on these people. That it actually means... Everybody likes to go to you know Jewish culture to refute the Bible, and they'll talk. And he, he told the story in here about how they would take this iron pot, they put it on their head, and they would go over to their neighbor, who and they would get like if their fire would go out at home, they'd go to their neighbor and he would put hot coals on there so it'd be easier to get their fire going at home. And when it's saying heaping coals of fire, it says you're not just giving them a little bit; you're giving them a whole bunch. Well, first of all, that's just stupid. All right. Second of all, where's the evidence that they did that in Jewish culture? And second of all, proof that, well, I believe it means that it means God, I mean, we're piling judgment on them. Is it says in verse 19, it's telling us not to avenge ourselves, okay, but give place unto wrath because that belongs to God. All right. You know why he's telling these people this? Because these people had not gone to Pastor Skinny Jean's church. They hadn't learned yet that you weren't supposed to want vengeance to come. See, these were righteous people that were wanting God to execute vengeance on people. But yet, sometimes you feel like, man, God's not doing anything about it. And so he's telling them, hey, just trust God. If your enemy's doing stuff to you, you know, don't avenge yourself. You know what? You can go ahead and bless your enemy. You can go ahead and love your enemy. But understand, when you're doing that, while you're doing these good things to your enemies, God's going to see that. And you know what? If that enemy doesn't get right, all that's going to do is actually heap coals of fire in their head. In other words, they're going to be punished even worse. And that is what this passage actually means. And you literally have to go to Bible manners and customs or something if you're to you know, refute what's just right there in the text. Okay, And these... So this is this is one of the trendyisms that's being put out there to just you know lighten up and everything. But no, he's telling these people this, comforting them, them letting them know that God is going to execute vengeance on these people. It's okay in the New Testament to still want uh, vengeance executed upon the wicked, as long as we let God do it. Okay, we've got to let God do it. That that means to the point. That even if it is if it is like my own personal enemy, all right, and maybe they're not, you know, they're not trying to kill me, they're not trying to kill my family, but maybe they're just trying to make me miserable, you know. Maybe it's that annoying neighbor that you have. Okay, what you need to do instead of you know egging his house back or you know you know setting his house on fire or something like that, what you should do is you should be kind to him. You should help them, you know. And you know what? You might end up winning them over and leading them to the Lord, and they'll become a friend, and that'll be great. It's better if that happens. But if not, if that guy doesn't get right, then he's in even bigger trouble. Because God sees all the good you're doing to him 
while he's doing evil. And one or two things are going to happen. Either that person is going to get saved and they will no longer be your enemy or they are going to be in bigger trouble than they ever were. So, go ahead. You know, we, We've got to have faith and we, we're going to do kind. We're going to be kind to them with the hopes that maybe they'll get right, but at the same time with the knowledge if they don't get right, they're going to be in even bigger trouble. And let that be your motivation if, if that's what suits you. Just do the right thing. You go ahead and love your enemy. That's fine. So look at verse 5 of Psalms 94. It says, They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. Okay, This is why he's mad. This is why he's wanting God to execute vengeance on him. He's like, you know, they're, they're hurting your people. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. So, you know, why is it so wicked? Why am I saying it's just perverted and messed up to not want to see vengeance executed on the wicked? You know what? Because wicked people hurt others. Okay, they're lawless. There are people out there, there are child molesters out there that do horrible things to kids that do permanent, physical, psychological damage to them. Most homos that are out there today, I mean, research proves most of these are people who have been abused in the past. Okay? We ought, I mean, we ought to have a great contempt for the perverts and for the pedophiles and the homos. We, we, ought, to have, we ought to be greatly disgusted because they hurt people. Innocent children. Okay? We, that, ought, that ought to bother us. We shouldn't be looking at these people with you know, love and acceptance and waving the fag flag around and things like that. That's the kind of thing. I mean, we have, we have no business. What, how messed up can you be to look at somebody like that and uh, not have hatred in your heart? You are a sick person. If you can look at these people... And you just want to love on them and hug on them, knowing what they are doing to people. You are a sick, twisted individual. Okay, and I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not trying to be mean, but that is that is very messed up. Here he's telling God, "This is why I want you to do these. They're hurting people. I mean, the innocent, the widows. Okay, the widows. This is a, you know a woman who does not have a husband. She's lost her husband. She's vulnerable." Okay, she, she's helpless. She's that weaker vessel without the stronger one to help her. And there's people out there that would take advantage of that. And we're just going to sit by and not want God to do something about that. Children, fatherless children, we're not going to want to do something when there's people out there that would hurt people like that and take advantage. Kids who do not have parents, they are way more likely to get hurt by these people because they know there's less accountability. There's, you know, these kids are not very likely to have somebody they're going to go running and telling to. And there are people out there that would fully take advantage of them. We see in our country that they're even allowed, you know, they allow homos to even adopt kids today. And you remember when they had the big Black Lives Matter protests? Or it was, I think, after the Ferguson one. And they had the picture of the one kid crying and hugging the cop. You know, that kid, his moms were these activists that would go around all these things. You know, the lesbian moms adopted a whole bunch of kids. And after they got, you know, they got their little fame for a while. And after that, I guess they went into Great Depression or something. And what do they do? They take all their kids and they drive them off a cliff. 
Kill all of them. You know, why in the world would we be okay? You are a sick person to think it's okay for homos to adopt kids. Okay, How messed up can you be to think that people like that should be able to adopt children? Okay, we... I just, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how twisted even Christian people have gotten. I listened to a preacher get up one time, and he was like, you know, some of you people out there, you know, you're all down on homosexuals being allowed to adopt kids. Well, you know, why don't you go out and adopt some kids? Well, first of all, I got plenty of my own kids. But second of all, you know, just because, right, you know, heterosexuals aren't adopted, we don't want to turn them over to the homos. I mean, what in the world? A Baptist preacher said that at a, at a Baptist conference. That That is so messed up. That's so twisted. And see, they prey on the innocent. They take advantage of the vulnerable. And listen, God ordained. Say, look, turn to Genesis chapter 9. And everybody gets mad too when we're like, well, you know, they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to execute the homos. They're supposed to, you know, put these people down. And, and they get all mad because we think that would be a good thing. But I'm sorry. I'm not some messed up, twisted pervert that's okay with seeing little kids get taken advantage of and seeing people get hurt and and their lives ruined. I'm not that messed up. I'm not as sick as a lot of these people. In Genesis 9.5 says, "...and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God..." Made he man. So we see that there are some things, okay, that God did ordain man to deal with. Okay, and people who shed blood, God ordained that man deal with that. You know what? We don't now so we as individuals, we don't have the right you know, God didn't give individuals a right to go and execute vengeance, but God did ordain that human governments execute the wicked execute those who shed blood. And we see this here, the death penalty was instituted before the Old Testament law was even instituted. And and the death penalty did not go away. Romans 13 uh, proves that. Romans 13, verse 4. Let's go ahead and uh, turn over there. Romans chapter 13, verse 4. It says, For he is talking about, or it says, For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Okay? Right here, this passage, God's teaching us why we're supposed to pay taxes, alright? Because there's ministers out there, there's people that do a job for us as a people, and the one who goes and he sheds the blood of the evil... That person, Bible says, he beareth not the sword in vain. The Bible says he is a minister to God. He is a good thing. Why? Because this did not the death penalty did not go away when the New Testament era came in. The death penalty was around before the law, and the death penalty is still in effect today. And I believe the death penalty is going to be in effect even in the millennium. And we see that these the people who do that, the executioner, is a minister. To God for good. And you know one thing I like to know, you know, Pastor Trendy, he, he loves doing these things where he brings in the policemen and the firemen and they do all these things to honor these people. They do that all the time in churches. Well the funny thing is, you know, the Bible doesn't mention firemen, policemen so much. 
Why don't we ever bring in the executioners and honor them? Ever thought about that? Can you imagine what kind of headlines that would make? I, if we, you know, I don't even know if we have. The, I don't think we have the death penalty in Illinois. If we do, we hardly ever use it. But if I found the guy that pulled the switch in the electric chair or, or, or gave him the lethal injection, and we brought them in, and we gave them a plaque, and we honored them, I think that would be more biblical than bringing in the policeman, the fireman, and the mayor, and Bruce Rauner. I that he's been brought into some Baptist churches that I know. It would be more biblical for me to bring in the executioner, all right? Some sweet lady that you know poked the syringe in the guy's arm. That you know, I don't know that that would probably make some headlines right there. But you know what? They are a minute. That's a minister to God of God right there. According to the Bible, in the New Testament, there are some things that God did ordain for us to deal with. And you know what? When it comes to people that are uh, that are perverts, that are molesting people, that are killing people, we actually don't have to just pray to God to execute vengeance on those. God ordained that we as a people, as a government, that we do that. We should be taking care of these. And, and, and we do a little bit of it. I mean, at least they lock some of these people up you know, and waste thousands and thousands of dollars you know, of our tax dollars you know, feeding these people. Um, it'd be a lot... Swords are cheaper, you know, or and we you know, we can use modern technology. I don't think it'd be unbiblical if we used a gun instead of a sword, even though the Bible mentions a sword. I think if they'd had guns back then, it would mentioned a gun. But anyway, uh, that that's another subject for another day. But I do. I want to see Pastor Trendy bring in the executioner in his church. It's like we just want to thank you for all the people that you put down. We want to thank you've helped rid our society of these animals. God bless you. We're giving you a plaque. I wouldn't criticize him for that. I, I think I, I don't know if I'm going to be the first one to do it, but I, I might. I might. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll see if I know any or if I can find any. But anyway, look at verse 7 of Psalms 94. It says, Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard. Okay? People often doubt God because of all the wickedness that everyone seems to be getting away with. But what's interesting is no one ever blames the ones that God ordained to deal with these things. Okay, Because what is it you hear all the time? We hear it out soul winning. Oh, if there's a God, why do all these bad things happen? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Well, guess what? It's not God's fault. Actually, God told us how we can rid the land of these things. Why are there all these diseases? Well, I know I could stop a lot of the diseases... You know, AIDS and things like that. Hey, I know how we could get rid of a lot of these things if we'd actually start doing what God said to do. God said, hey, here's how you can avoid these things. Here's how you can put evil away from among you. And the way He said to do it is you're going to have to execute. You're going to have to put these people down. That's what the Bible teaches, but we're like, oh no, we, we can't do that. Well, enjoy the continuing murder. Enjoy the continuing of diseases spreading. Enjoy hearing about molestation and rape and all these horrible things. It's going to keep happening if we don't deal with these people, if we don't put them down. So, uh, but that the wicked, they're the ones that say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. And you know what? The righteous, we hear people saying that. We see that attitude. We're like, Lord, hey, we know you see it. Lord, reveal it to them that you see it. You know, 
Come down on them. Execute wrath. It is completely appropriate. It is righteous people want this. Look at verse 8. It says, Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools. Okay, the brutish person is somebody who's just stupid. Alright? You understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools. When will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Okay, the world is so foolish to think that they are going to get away with anything. Okay, they're saying the Lord can't hear. The Lord can't see. Hey, the Lord's the one who put that ear on your head. You know why you can hear? Okay, You know why you can see? You know how complicated and how complex the human eye is? You really think the God that made the eye can't see what you're doing? That's what he's saying right there. You really think the God who made ears, who made sound, that He can't hear what you're saying? You better believe God hears what you're saying. You better believe that God sees what's going on in these gay pride parades. You better, see, you better believe that He hears the cries of these children that these people are hurting and molesting. You better believe God heard it in Sodom. God heard the cries of Sodom. And God hears the cries of these young children that are being, that are being molested across this country. You better believe God hears this stuff. There is no doubt. And we are foolish to think that the world is getting away with anything. And it's, it's if we're not careful, we can get tempted. Because it's like, well, you know what? I actually want to see vengeance executed yesterday. And it didn't happen yesterday. It's not happened today. And if we're not careful, we'll start to think, nothing's going to happen. It must not be a big deal. We are a fool to think that. We are brutish. If you think that the God who made the eye can't see what's going on, that the God who made the ears can't hear what's going on, you're a fool to think that. And these people are fools. And their foolishness is going to get them in trouble. Okay? Their stupidity, their brutishness is going to get them in trouble. Because you know that if they had an ounce of wisdom, you know what they would do? They would repent. They would call on the Lord for salvation. But we see that most will not. Why? Because they have no faith. They do not believe these words. Look at verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off His people, neither will He forsake His inheritance. But judgment shall return unto the righteous and all the upright in heart shall follow it. So we need to remember not only is the Lord going to deal with the wicked, you know what? The Lord's going to deal with us too. Okay? We need to keep this in mind. While, I get, while it's real easy for us to get excited and think, alright, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to look like a picnic compared to what's coming to this earth. While it's easy for us to get excited about that, we need to remember that judgment must begin at the house of God. We need to remember that if God's going to deal with those who are not His children, you better believe He's going to deal with those who are His children. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. 
We've got to, we've got to keep these things in mind. Otherwise, we're just gonna have this attitude. Well, because I'm not as bad as them, I'm okay. No, we. This actually should scare us a little bit. But um, First Peter four verse sixteen. It says, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, when shall the ungodly and sinner, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well doing, as unto a faithful Creator. So we see in this passage, he's saying, hey, judgment's going to begin with us. And if it begins, if it begins at us, okay, what's it going to be like for those who are not saved? Okay? So, you know, while we get scared a little bit, it, ooh, judgment begins with us, go ahead and get a little spooked, but then remember, hey, whatever we get, they're going to get way worse. <laughs> they're, they're going to get it they're going to get it ten times worse. I remember, you know, when I was growing up. Sometimes when I would get in trouble with my sisters, you know, when we'd all get the same judgment handed down, like spanking or something. Sometimes it was kind of worth it because I knew in whatever, you know, that they didn't like the spanking more than I did. You know, so in my mind, I would just kind of tell myself, "This is worse for them than it is for me." So in the end, I'm happy. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's a terrible attitude. But at the same time, that was kind of how I took comfort. Yeah, I'm suffering right now, but they're giving them the same thing and it probably hurts them worse than it does me. And so, we can do that too. Whenever we're suffering, alright, we got, you know, hey, at least we're saved. God chastises us in mercy. He doesn't do it in wrath. He doesn't do it to destroy us. He doesn't make us better. It doesn't, it, you know, it's no fun. You know, no chastening is pleasant. While it's taking place, but you know it actually produces something good in us. It accomplishes something with us. But with the wicked, it doesn't accomplish anything except it shows the rest of the world you don't want to be like them. See, this is the thing we forget when it comes to judgment. Is judgment is not always meant to help the bad guy. Okay, we don't. You don't execute a murderer to teach him a lesson. Alright? He's dead. Alright? What lesson is there to learn? You execute the murderer to teach everyone else a lesson. So everyone else is like, I better not do that. Okay? The, you know, whether it be a pervert, whatever it is, we're supposed to punish people, and that way it will be a deterrent for everyone else. You know, you smite a scorner so the simple will learn from it. Okay? That scorner, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna learn from it. He's just too wicked. He's too far gone. But you know what? You, you smite him. You deal with him so other people see and they'll say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like that person. And one of the reasons we see wickedness just running rampant in this country is because the things that God ordained for us to deal with, we're not dealing with them. Nothing's happening. Therefore, no one's, no one's going to be where? You know, if we were taking care of, you know, the cross dressers and the fruit cakes and all these people like that, you know, some little kid just thinks about 
putting on his mom's skirt or something like that, he's going to remember what happened to that one guy in, in the town square, and he's going to say, yeah, forget that. Not worth it. Anybody that, you know, people that are thinking, because you know what? There are, there's going to be, you know, while a lot, you know, most of us would never think about being a homo or something like that, you might think about killing somebody sometime, all right? I'm sure everybody's had that cross their mind before, you know? Just, how can I make this look like an accident, right? But, you know, we don't do it because most of us are scared of prison, right? You know, we have, there's things out there deterring us from that, okay? We've all thought about stealing before. You ever been at the bank and the ladies are there, they're counting all that money, there's big piles of cash right there? And it does, you know, when you see a big stack of money, don't tell me you don't think, is it possible? But, you know, you see all those cameras, you know what's going to happen, so you don't do it. And, ch- you know, chances are, if we did nothing about that, okay, they don't let them pack at the bank. If society did not do anything about it, it would be real easy to just take it and run. What are they going to do about it? And, but we don't, we have, there's, we have punishments in place that deter people from that. Well, look at all the things that are going on in this country that there is no deterrent for. There is no deterrent for perversion. We're celebrating it. We're lifting it up and acting like it's normal and acting like it's wonderful and legalizing everything. And so people are see, seeing that and instead of you know, saying, I don't want to go anywhere near that, they're emboldened to go after that. And we've got, we've got to remember that uh, you know, we've, we've got to, as a society, get back to doing the job that God gave us to do and dealing with these things. These things are wicked. And so... Again, as, as Christians, we got to remember God's going to deal with us too. You know, we'll never be cast away. Okay, uh, it says there in verse fourteen, for the Lord will not cast off His people, neither will He forsake His inheritance. Okay, when you're saved, if you're His child, while He may need to punish you, while He may need to come down on you hard, He's never going to cast you away. You're never going to be reprobate. You're never, you're never going to lose your salvation. You're never going to go to hell. But at the same time, He's going to deal with you because we are His child. So don't think that just because you got saved, you're going to get off scot-free on everything. God's going to deal with us. Judgment must begin at the house of God. We see that God's going to deal with us first. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, I, you know, and I don't know this for sure, but I personally think Part of what the tribulation is all about, I think it's kind of straightened the church out a little bit. The church is a mess today. Saved people are a mess today. And do we really want Jesus Christ to come back when us in the sorry condition? But you know what? Tribulation, that's always something that shakes things up. It's something that will get, will get us purified. It will get us straightened out. And the Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. He's going to deal with us first. And it's going to be bad, but it's going to not—it's not going to be anything like what the world's going to get. It's not going to be anything like what the lost are going to get. And so we need—we but so while we can take comfort, fat God's going to deal with them. We need to remember ours is coming too, and we need to stay close to God. You know, we need to be—you know—ask Him for mercy, but we don't want to take advantage of the grace of God. You know, shall we do evil that good may abound? God forbid. Okay, when Paul said that, he wasn't saying it like it's impossible that it can't be done. No, we actually, or, you know, we actually could do evil that grace may abound. 
We are capable of doing that. But Lord, please don't let us do that. And you know what? The Lord's not going to let us do that. He's going to deal with us if we try taking advantage of His grace because that is a very wicked thing to do. So look at verse 16. Psalms 94. Let's read the rest of this passage here. So it says, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said my foot slippeth, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, Thy comforts delight my soul. Okay, What's delighting his soul here? Okay, okay. Now that, that's that's a real friendly verse there that maybe we could put on a picture on our wall. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Isn't that pretty? Well, what comforts? All right, the comfort that God's going to deal with the wicked, that God's going to execute vengeance. All right, you know what? That that looks like a verse that you would put on a picture of a pretty rainbow or something like that. But you know what? That ought to be what we should do. We should get a picture made with that verse on like a picture of just, you know, disaster, you know, hitting some place. You know, like just some city being destroyed, like on a disaster movie or something like that. That's what it's talking about right there. Okay? That's what comforts us. The fact that God is going to deal with the wicked. God's going to take care of them. You know, like an Armageddon picture or something like that. You know, that that would be great. That would really confuse Pastor Trendy, when he sees that, he was like, that picture doesn't seem to go with that verse. That's because you haven't read the whole chapter. <laughs> but if they did, you'd get it. You'd understand it. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge, and He shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. This passage, this chapter started out violent and it ended violent. God's going to deal with them. And it is completely okay for us to take comfort in the fact that God is going to execute vengeance. We comfort ourselves with that. Okay, God did not mean for us as a people that when you know, we're... You know, Sitting home and we're watching the news and we're seeing all this wickedness go on and we're just supposed to smile at it. That's weird, folks. That's messed up. God did not. God does not expect you when you're going out and about and when you're when you're eating McDonald's and you got Flamboyo giving you your food. I don't know if any of you know who that is. All right, just go to McDonald's in the morning. You know who Flamboyo is. God did not mean for you to just sit there and just not that not bother you. And just irritate the snot out of you. And let me tell you something. The other day he gave me a sausage biscuit with cheese on it. He's lucky. They don't even put cheese on sausage biscuits. But Flamboyo gives me a sausage. Now, he didn't put the cheese on it. But at the same time, he handed it to me. He's lucky. He's lucky I have control. I have some self-control. Because I've been looking for a reason. But, yeah, I'm just kidding. But, you know, when we see that, God did not expect us to just be like, we just need to pray for Him to get saved. No. We should be disgusted by that. We should be sickened and repulsed at people like that. When you see this junk and rage starts building up in your heart, 
That is a, okay. It's normal. But here's what we do. Well, does God want us walking around in a rage? No. You know what you need to do? You need to comfort yourself. You need to comfort yourselves with the Word of God. Well, what words? Well, how about, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth? Alright? You know, how about some verses about Armageddon? How about some verses about the wrath of God? God pouring His wrath out on this earth. That's what we're supposed to do. And I've been talking about this a lot, and I say it all the time. Okay? If God says something is going to happen, it's as good as already happened. So you know what? I can rejoice in their destruction before it's even happened. And we can take comfort in that. And you say, that's mean. No, you're messed up and you're, you're perverted. You are sick and you're twisted. If these things do not bother you, that is not a normal person. That is not the way God made us. God understood and God said the righteous, okay, the righteous, they're going to rejoice at these things when vengeance is executed. Okay, we want to be righteous people. And these things ought to get our dander up a little bit. And many people today, they doubt God or they've rejected God because they think the wicked are getting their way. But those who are of us who are of faith, we understand that they're going to get what's coming to them. We understand that. And so, while we see the wickedness that goes on in this world, no, we are not supposed to, you know, we don't need to go out and just start punching everybody and shooting places up. No, that is not what God has called us to do. Vengeance belongs to God. But at the same time, God understands and God expects us to get angry by these things and to get fired up. But then, He's given us His promises that He's going to take care of them and that can calm us down. That can, that can give us comfort. That can give us assurance. That can put a smile on our face as we think of these things. You're like, no. No, you're missing something here. Ezekiel 33. Go to Ezekiel chapter 33. All right, Because I knew you all would want to bring this passage up. This is what everybody wants to go to when you start reading these Psalms, when you start talking about imprecatory prayers and things like that. Psalm 33, verse 10 says, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Alright, so right there, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and neither do I. I just wish they would have gotten saved. What, listen, first off, notice, obviously, God would rather people turn from their sins. Okay, Obviously, God would rather people get saved. God would rather them stop sinning and start doing righteousness. But that doesn't mean God's not going to do what He said He would do if they don't. Okay? And there are some people that God said won't. Okay? That person that's a reprobate, they're not going to turn from their sins. Okay? They're not going to call on the Lord for salvation. Okay? And just because God prefers one thing over the other doesn't mean that 
He's not going to do what He said He's going to do. And it doesn't mean that we now are no longer allowed to be glad when He executes vengeance. Even though in Psalms 94 it says the righteous are glad by those things. Yes. Okay, you know, there's a lot of things that sometimes we have to do, okay, that on one hand, you know, they they bring us no pleasure. Alright? But at the same time, we do them because, you know, we do want to do it and because we need it. For example, you know, spanking your kids. Okay? That is not a pleasant thing, alright? Most parents, I don't think when they go to spank their kids, they're like, alright. Here we go again. All right. Hopefully, hopefully you're not like that. I listened to a preacher one time. He was talking about the anger issues and things he used to have. And he he said this. He's like, so I'm just going to be honest. He's like, there was a time I enjoyed spanking my boys. <laughs> he said that. And I, was, I remember I was sitting I was just a teenager. And I was just like, <laughs> I thought that was really weird. He's like, I did. He's like, Lord, help me get over that though. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's pretty weird. Okay, But the Bible says, uh, I don't have the verse in front of me. In Proverbs, it talks about you know the father chasing the son in whom he delighteth. All right. Now he's not getting delight in spanking the child. Okay. But at the same time, because he loves that son, because he enjoys that son, he wants him. You know, he wants him to turn out right. He's going to do that. All right. He's he's going to do that, knowing hey, this is going to help him. This is going to help fix his issues. And so. They takes pleasure in that. Hey, I take pleasure in the fact that spanking works. Okay? I take I take pleasure in those things. But obviously, I would rather my kids just behave, and then I not have to do those things. All right. But it doesn't mean I'm not doing righteous when I start executing wrath. And when someone sins, it's better if they confess and forsake that sin. But if they're going to do that, or if they're if they're not going to do that, then they need to be dealt with, and God will deal with them. And in the meantime, when it comes to things that God has told us to deal with, we don't need to sit around letting evil run rampant and allow bad people to cause innocent people to suffer so we can tell ourselves that we're good people. Okay? And just because God's not getting pleasure in something doesn't mean I can't be thankful that He's doing it. Yeah, sometimes somebody's got to do the dirty work, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we can't rejoice that it's getting done. That the job is getting done. Ezekiel is not teaching that we're not allowed to you know, want that, to pray for that. It's obviously better when people get right. And it's interesting too because in this particular instance, in this passage, he's not talking about the heathen. He's actually talking about Israel. He's actually talking about them. You know, he's telling them, why will he die? He's not wanting to kill them. All right? This is his people. This is his inheritance. There's a big difference when it's talking about them versus the wicked versus those who are reprobate. And it's like people will ignore just the multitude of verses in Psalms and many other places in the Bible and even in the New Testament. And it's like they're, they've decided that we have to literally have this inhuman, just messed up, twisted, perverted mentality where we never want to see Justice. We, the righteous, want to see justice. Okay, and it's not because we're bloodthirsty. Okay, I don't want to see the wicked executed because I enjoy seeing people executed. I rejoice in that because I want 
this world to be a safe place for my kids. I want this, I, you know, I, you know, if, yeah, people in this community, I would rather them get right. I would rather them just get saved. But at the same time, if they're not, if they're not going to, if they do, if they get put down, I can rejoice in that because now this community is safer. It's a better place. I don't, I don't need to fear as many things. And so we've got to get over this stuff, folks. I'm sorry that churches are failing to preach the truth. They're trying to be accepted by everybody, and they're trying to, you know, and, and all this stuff. This mentality, it's a new thing. It's all from the last ten years, and it's because they've been dancing around. How do we deal with the homo stuff for years? And well, since the Bible, people preach the truth on that stuff. I, I grew up listening to Baptist preachers come up with all kinds of creative ways we could put down the homos. I heard so many different things growing up, and and it was all funny. All right, you know, and, and, it was, and you know, none of them were ever really serious. But it's like you know, we can imagine, right? You know, <laughs> we can imagine if we had control and we're able to do all these things. And then you know, you, I, I heard a preacher one time he was talking about you know, you, and a lot of people have done this one. It's like you know, you take them all and you put them on an island. And you separate the men from the women, and then they'll all die out because they can't reproduce, right? And everybody's heard that example a million times. I listened to a preacher one time. I was like, I tell you what they need to do. They need to take them, and they need to put them all on the island. And you thought he was going to this thing, and you put them all on the island, and then you drop a nuke on it, you know? And I was just like, well, there we go. <laughs> you like shocked everybody with that. That was, the way, that was what he said to do. But I heard that stuff all the time because we realized these people were a danger, they were a threat. But now we've got this messed up, perverted mentality. And it is, that, it, is, it is perverted to think this way and to not have an attitude of wanting to see justice done when there are people out there that are destroying others, that are, that are taking lives. And let's not get caught up in that. Let's not be like this world. You know, go ahead and believe what the Bible says. Go ahead and take comfort in, in, in these things. And I think we'll be healthier for it. I do not believe it's healthy to have this mentality that the world has. And I know some of that stuff seems pretty ugly, but we've just got to get ourselves out of this world's mindset. Our world's a mess. And it's not getting any better. And churches are not helping by soft-stepping you know, this issue and trying to be all cute and cuddly. It's not helping one bit. So, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for... Uh, the promises that You give us, Lord, it is very easy for us to look out at this world and all the wickedness that's going on and think that the uh, wicked are getting away with it. But I thank You that Your Word proves to us, Lord, that they're not getting away with it. You said You're going to deal with them. And I pray You'll just help us to consider them dealt with. And I, and I uh, pray that this message will be a help to those who uh, do take comfort in these things. Let them know that they don't need to feel bad about that. If there's any here that's getting... Uh, sucked into this worldly mentality of just not having any emotion and not ever feeling angry about things that should make us angry. I pray you'll help us to uh, help them to get over that and uh, go back to being a, a human being and uh, taking comfort in the things of your word. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen.